All right. Thank you, Mr. Bjork. We really appreciate it, sir. We'll hear from you soon, and I'll get that text to you this morning sometime on the directions. <clears throat> All right. Thank you. All right. Now for our first trivia question today, um, we didn't have any answers yesterday, so maybe people just didn't listen yesterday, um, or maybe they were good questions. It's one of those two. You'll never know in radio. Um, so we'll rerun this one because we want to get this in. So now Friday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. What wicked king of Judah, taken into captivity of Assyria, confessed his sins, humbled himself, prayed, and came to the knowledge that the Lord, he was God? Again, what wicked king of Judah, taken into captivity in Assyria, confessed his sins, humbled himself, prayed, and came to the knowledge that the Lord, he was God? You can call 270-257-2689, and we'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on this June 30th, 2023. And what a beautiful June 30th, 2023 it is here at the studios. Had a lot of storms yesterday, praying that you didn't have damage. Um, and if you did, it wasn't severe or anything to that regard. I know a lot of trees down, some people out with power. And of course, we're going to be circulating through some storms until um, early, middle of next week. It looks like, you know, a possibility of another strong one or two this afternoon is what I'm reading. And then, of course, next two days. Um, strong possibilities, to say the least, um, of some rain and some storms coming through. So, again, continue to be watchful, um, prayerful for you guys who are out of power or trying to get power back on, get that running up and going for you guys. And um, we're just praying protection over all of the houses and all of the um, the things that, you know, the people, the family, everything to that regard. We're just praying safety over all of that. And so a lot of storms right now, uh, so hang in there, be watchful, be prayerful, and God will see us through it. Uh, again, we are, I don't know if this question is just hard or nobody wants to answer it, but we still don't have an answer for this trivia question. What wicked king of Judah, taken into captivity in Assyria, confessed his sins, humbled himself, prayed, and came to the knowledge that the Lord, he was God? What wicked king of Judah, taken into captivity in Assyria, confessed his sins, humbled himself, prayed, and came to the knowledge that the Lord, he was God. 270-257-2689. And so we have been in the Gospel of John. We're we're working our way through. We usually don't cover anything on Fridays um, since Mr. Bjork is on there with us. But we have been trying to work through it the best we can. We are in John chapter 12. And um, I think I'm going to cover just a couple of verses today. And uh, let's see here. We are in verse 27. Uh, Mr. Joey Sasha sent in his his um, dad joke of the day. What kind of medical professional is Dr. Pepper? A physician. <laughs> a physician. I like that. I like that a lot. I love dad jokes. I love dad jokes. Um, let's see here. John chapter 12, verse 27. Now is my soul so troubled. Uh, hold on. Nope, nope. This is where we was at yesterday. Um, I have to get down to where we're supposed to be. All right, so verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the rule of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. And so he's he's just going back off of what Jesus said. What should I say that, um you know, should I just bail out? No, this is the purpose that I came to die. And God's going to glorify himself through it. 
And, um, you know, they was talking about, well, some heard the thunder, some heard angels speak, whatever it was. But really, it was the father speaking. And he says, and then he goes on, Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. So Jesus is saying, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So he's saying, now am I breaking the chains of the enemy? Now am I destroying his works? And he has for those who are born again. And he has set you free. He who has been set free is free indeed. As a believer, we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. As a believer, we're not slaves to unrighteousness, but we're slaves to righteousness. And so over and over, the works of the enemy has been defeated in our life, and it's been done through the cross. So now is this judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, what's he talking about? Um, you know, back in the day, we used to say when he's lifted up, he'll draw him unto himself. We would say, when you know, when we praise him, he's going to be, he's coming. All right, well, that's not really what this verse is saying. He's saying, when I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw what? I will draw all people to myself. Well, he's saying when he goes up on the cross, when he ascends, he will draw all men unto himself. When he is glorified, when all this that's getting ready to happen comes to fruition, when all this comes to accomplishment, when all this comes to a head and he does everything he is called to do and destined to do in the earth, he will draw all men unto himself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So he's saying, I'm going to be lifted up on the cross. I'm going to be lifted up. You're going to see me kind of raised. You're going to see me elevated, and I will die before you in a very public manner. And they're still not understanding this fully, I don't think. They're still trying to kind of scratch in their head a little bit and trying to see what's going on. But he's saying, when I go up, people is going to be drawn unto me. And, of course, we see that truthfully. Um, and then... For many people came to him, many people come to him even today, but even more, whenever he was, he, he died, resurrected and ascended, you know, immediately like 8,000 people get saved. And so he's drawing all kind of people to himself. He's drawing all tribes and all nations all to himself because he was lifted up. And so the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So now the crowd's questioning him because he's calling himself the Son of Man. He said it over and over, but then he's telling us he's going to die. And they say the Son of Man lasts forever. Well, they're thinking on a just natural stage. He does last forever. He's been forever. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. <coughs> Excuse me. And... And so in this, he's saying, um, they're saying, look, you can't be the son of God. You're telling me you're going to die. The son of man lasts forever, that the Christ, that the anointed one remains forever. How can you then? And Jesus answered and said, the light um, is among you for a little while longer. So he's saying the light me is here just for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. <coughs> and so um, here we go. One more time. How can you say that the Son of Man be, must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to him, I am the light. I'm going to be here just a little bit longer. Walk with the light. Walk with me, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. 
So he is telling them, while I am here, while I'm here, you have the light, believe in me, and if you believe in me and walk with me, you may become sons of light, followers of life, disciples of light. He's telling them, come believe, follow me, and you will be sons of light. And then when Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still not they still did not believe in him. So Jesus has said these things. He departed and hid himself. Many um, he had done many signs among them. He's saying, you know, I've given them every opportunity to believe. They still not believed in him. They still did not believe in him, though. That's the problem. No matter how many times he gave them signs, no matter how many times he gave them instruction, no matter how many times he did all of this. Um, all these things before them, they still could not believe because they still had that veil over their eyes. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so he had done all these. They still don't believe so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what we heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, I would heal them. So he's saying he's blinded them and hardened their heart. He's given them a spiritual veil. It's confirmation of what we just said. Lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. What a statement. What a statement that literally they could not believe. They could not believe in him because they love the glory. They love the honor of men. They love the applause of men more than they did the applause and honor and the glory that comes from believing in God. And then Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my word and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to the world to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge them on the last day. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Um, and so this is this is really, really good stuff. And um, he's basically saying, I didn't come into the world to judge because the first time he came into the world, he did come as a lamb ready to lay down his life. And he's saying, look, if you will see, if you will see, um, I'm sorry, if you will see him as the light, if you see him as light, if you will believe in him, if anyone hears his words and does not keep them, I do not judge. I'm sorry. Um, whoever believes in me does believes not in me, but in him who sent me. 
And so he said, if you believe in me, you really believe in the Father, because I am the Father. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he's saying, in me is light, and if you'll believe in me, you'll have light. You'll become light. You'll become sons of light. And so <clears throat> here Jesus is over and over just talking about, you've got to believe in me. I'm only here for a bit longer. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to be lifted up. Now, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. But there's a hardness over Israel. There's a veil over Israel so that the prophetic, the prophetic um, unction from Isaiah would be be fulfilled about them, um, the Lord hardening them their hearts and doing those sort of things. And so Jesus is dealing with all of that right now. And Jesus is basically saying, you've got to believe in me. He's trying to unlock their eyes, but their problem is they will not turn. And the whole issue, the premise, the foundation, the fuel, the accelerant of all of these, all this issue is that they love the glory of man more than the glory of God. And so that finishes John chapter 12. But in, in our personal lives right now, I've got to ask, like, are we in a place where we love the glory of man more than we love the glory of God? Are we doing things that displease God because we are more concerned with pleasing man? Um, in ministry, especially pastors, I always speak to pastors a lot. I love speaking to pastors. Are we doing something that pleases our congregation but doesn't please the Lord? Are we trying to entertain somebody to keep them coming back next Sunday, but in the meantime, displeasing the Lord? This is where we have to love and want to glory, glorify God and to get glory from God, not glory from man. We Honor from man is terrific if it's in the correct context and the correct place. Honor from God is a whole different story. And the one we want to honor and the one we want to serve and the one we want to be obedient to is not man. It is God the Father. It is His Word. It is His truth. It is Jesus, Messiah, Jesus the Christ. He is the one that we want to honor. And whatever we got to do, whatever we have to surrender, whatever we have to give up, whatever we have to say no to, if it's honorable to God, then it's profitable. And we should be willing able and quick to say yes and amen to glorifying God and not glorifying the enemy or glorifying man. We must bring glory to God. And when we glorify God, he will send glory to us. He will glorify. He will raise up. He will honor. He will position. But as long as we continue to glorify man, as long as we continue to glorify systems, as long as we continue to glorify the ways of men and the, the tactics of the enemy and give in to everything the enemy wants us to be persuaded we must do, as long as we continue to give in to Jezebel, as long as we give continue to give in to, um, per se, Leviathan and all these demonic influences and all these strategies of the enemy as long as we continue to walk in those give into them then we are glorifying man we are glorifying them we are bringing honor to that instead of god and jesus is sitting there telling them of course you're not following me of course you do not believe in me they will not turn from their sin they will not because they're afraid they're going to get kicked out of the synagogue and if they get kicked out of the synagogue they're more concerned about bringing honor to men and being liked by men than they are being loved and honored and liked by god and so we as leaders, we as Christians, we must not be offensive just for the sake of offense, but we should be direct and have a resolve and a tenacity to speak truth, but to love, 
to to say to speak honorable things, but to be just and righteous, to be merciful and graceful. Like we're to do all of these things at the same time, but we should never back up. And the one thing we can never do for the sake of unity and the one thing we can never do for the sake of um, being people of love is compromise. If your love and your unity is is demanding compromise, then you are going to lose it because what you compromise to keep, you will lose. What you compromise to keep, you will lose. Whether that's a relationship, whether that's a um, church, whether that's a ministry, whether that's a job, whether whatever that is, if you're willing to compromise to keep it or compromise to get it, you're actually setting yourself up to fail and you will lose it. God does not like compromise. Compromise is not godly. Compromise is not one of the spiritual gifts or spiritual fruit. Compromise is of the enemy. Why? Because you are literally. Um, now, now, let me just say this. I'm not talking about if you're out with the spouse and you're trying to figure out what you, where you're going to eat dinner and you want there and they want there. That compromise, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is per se, what's going on in the world today with a church accepting sin. And we accept, we accept sin and we even embrace sin for the sake of unity and love. That's what I'm saying. If your love and your unity demands compromise, it's not real godly love and it's really not godly unity. And it will not prosper. Um, <coughs> and so... We have to be diligent to stay truthful, to be honest, to glorify God, but also be loving and be unifying at the same time. But I will never sacrifice um, conviction and I will never sacrifice truth for the sake of unity. Just won't do it. But here, Jesus specifically going back to John 12, he is trying to get them to understand that he is the light. He is the light of the world. He has come in in a dark moment to show them the light. And they're they're not seeing it because they're blinded, as Isaiah said they would be. They are blinded and their hearts are hardened. And the Lord is literally trying to open their eyes. He's trying to breathe a light. And he's saying, look, you, I'm only here with you a little bit longer. I am the light. I want to show you the way. I want to illuminate the path for you. I want to guide you. The problem is you won't let me. And really the ultimate issue is they've grown to love the darkness and they didn't even know they love the darkness so much. Well, Aaron, how can you say that? Again, going back to they want to glorify man more than they glorify God. They have grown to love it. They've grown to love it. And even if they don't participate in it, the very fact they don't speak up against it is giving condolences to it. And, um, well, Aaron, how can you say that? That seems judgmental. Well, no. If you look at Ezekiel on the watchman, if you're a watchman on the wall and you see sin and you don't call it out somehow, some way, and you don't you don't deal with it. Now, again, this isn't meaning that I go up to every person in every restaurant and smack them in the face with a Bible and say, how dare you sin? This is say, as preachers, as leaders, we vocally speak against things that are openly sin. We speak against those things. As Christians, we speak against those things. I'm not saying we attack every single person. We love. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. But we must never give um, an inkling that we support, condone, or embrace 
or make room for sin in the body of Christ. That's any kind of sin. That's not just one sin. So some people's thinking, oh yeah, go after that LGBTQ movement. Go after this. Go after that. All right. Well, yeah, we believe that homosexuality is a sin. I'm not backing up. I'm not ashamed. We believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. We do. But also, gossiping's a sin. Slandering's a sin. Um, lying is a sin. Um, lustful thoughts is a sin. See, we can go over and over. Sin is sin, and we should give no place to it. The uh, book of Ephesians tells us that give no place to the devil, that we are to give no place. There's to be no room. When we sweep the room, we fill it. And what do we fill it with? The truth, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, and the glory of God covering the earth as the waters covering the sea. That's what we're filling the house with. We need to speak truth. We need to speak the word. We need to do all this. And we need to make so much feeling that there's no room for garbage. And that means we have to kick the garbage out. That's not kicking the people out. Like, this is where it is. We, we, the Bible talks about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual power, principalities and things in high places. That's our fight. That's our attack, is that. And, and so that's our fight. I'm not fighting against a person. I'm fighting against a spirit. And those spirits have run rampant in America for far too long. And it's time for the body of Christ to rise up, take their rightful place in authority, and start taking authority over the high places. Now, again, we're going to go back. I'm not telling God what to do. I'm telling these demons by the name of Jesus what to do. And they can come out in Jesus' name. And so we're not, this is where we have to be careful with our authority. I never tell God what to do. But he has given us authority to cast out sickness, cast out demons. He's given us authority to do that in his name. And so we should never back up from doing that because there is an all-out assault on a generation. And if we as watchmen on the wall will not start to make war, we will lose them every single time. We will lose them if we do not intercede. We do not pray. We do not preach. We do not declare we do not protect and we are do not be watchmen on the wall all right well we still have our first trivia question getting ready to go to break i'm still waiting for this answer to this question what wicked king of judah taken into captivity in assyria confessed his sins humbled himself prayed and came to the knowledge that the lord he was god 270-257-2689 we'll be right back here after the break on mornings of box 2 radio on the box 2 radio network We're back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio. Thank you so much for joining in on this beautiful, beautiful June 23rd. I mean, 23rd. We're in 2023. June 30th, 2023. We're excited to be here on this beautiful morning. We still don't um, want you to forget that next week we will not be here, but we will still have some content for you guys every weekday morning next week from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Some great content, sermons interviews whatever it looks like we'll have that available next week during this live slot during the 7 to 9 a.m central time we have a special guest today at 8 30 miss karen ford she's going to come on and talk some financial things with us how we can become better stewards of our financial um <clears throat> uh, blessings and steward just of our financial life period and we should all be able to do that again we'll go back to the thing of this time for the body of christ to get better holy um, not holy, but whole, like in a sense of wholeness, that every aspect of our lives, we should be aggressively pursuing them, um, pursuing 
godliness, pursuing godly principles, and we should be stewarding well over what God has given us and entrusted us with. And so I'm still waiting on the answer to that first trivia question. What wicked king of Judah taken into captivity in Syria confessed his sins, humbled himself, prayed, and came to the knowledge of the Lord? He was God. <clears throat> and so um, that's good stuff. We just need to answer. We need to get that off my, my list here. We need to get that out of here. And again, I wanted to reread this. We haven't done this for a little while. Some of the VBS is coming up. One Truth will be July 5th, 6th, and 7th, 6 to 8.30 p.m. Um, Wilson Holmes was canceled for this week, but it is rescheduled for next week. Um, so anybody wants to send their kiddos next week, it will be there, um, available to that in Wilson Home. Hudson Community is July 17th through 21st. Cool Cumber Cumberland Presbyterian, which is right down the road here on 401, um, July 5th through the 7th. And then, of course, the one coming up here at Bethel Fellowship, August 4th, 5th, and 6th. And then, of course, that Saturday we'll have a full-out awesome day. Um, that's going to kind of it's going to kind of combine for not back to school night, but just like a last day of VBS, a big celebration coming back to school, big old church day. Pretty much everybody's invited out to that day. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Um, and so we're just going to celebrate God's glory that day and um, all that God's going to do in a group of kids. Now for Bethel Christian Academy coming up, I will get you these dates. We are going back to school on August the 11th. Um, we'll do a half day. Now, some people says, why are you doing a half day on the first day? Well, it's orientation day. And a lot of schools are starting to do that now of um, basically getting everybody in the groove, letting everybody meet everything, all the teachers and find out what they're going to be doing, what the schedule is going to look like. But there will be a back to school night to where you can get all the details as well. The Wednesday, the ninth, And we'll do that from 430 to 630 p.m. And um Joey Sosh says since he can't get it a third time, he put the answer. He put the answer on his Facebook. So if somebody goes to his Facebook, you'll learn the answer. He's trying to help some people out here. We need to get that off so we can go on to the next question because the next question, it was an interesting one, and I want to get to it. And so, uh, <clears throat> um, so again, August the 9th, back to school night, August 11th, back to school day. And very excited for that. And stay tuned at 8.30 for Miss Karen Ford. Now, there was something that happened here. I was reading some um, articles, and I don't read a lot of news anymore. Like I said, I'm pretty much out of it. But I do glance on Christian posts some. And every, and very rarely, if there's something hot going on, um, I will glance on Fox News or some, or more of a mainstream thing. But um, there's there's I want to read this prayer, and I want you to see what the enemy's doing in our churches. Um, this is from a female Lutheran pastor. This is from Christian Post, who leads church and sparkle creed prayer to non-binary God, says Jesus Christ had two dads. Um, oh, Miss Minerva Kid got it right. So awesome. Praise the Lord, Miss Kid. It's good to hear from you. And um, it's very good to hear from you. Always praying for you and Pastor Kid over there and all that God has for you all in store. But it is Manasseh, 2 Chronicles 33, 11 through 13. Now we're going to get Thursday, Friday question number two, sponsored by Higdon Land, Higdon Land Survey and out there for you guys. This is an interesting question. What ungodly New Testament ruler was struck down by an angel and eaten of worms? What ungodly New Testament ruler was struck down by an angel and eaten of worms? 270-257-2689. 
But this Lutheran pastor in Minnesota, um, Christian Post reads, has gone viral for leading her congregation what we what is called a sparkle creed. I have no idea necessarily was a sparkle creed, but it's a prayer in honor of LGBTQ um, Pride Month in which she described God as non-binary and Christ as having two dads. Um, in the prayer, she recited a statement of faith known on social media as the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God, she says, whose pronouns are pearl. Believe in Jesus Christ, third child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of glorious or gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, resilient as patches on the quilt whose feet are grounded in mud and whose gaze whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling of each of us that love is love is love. So love, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. And then she goes on to also refer and pray a Taylor Swift vote um, quote, and um, and her Swifty fan and all music that inspires to help us shake it off when life makes a turn. So she uses um, Taylor Swift as a um, spiritual advisor. I don't know what it is really. Um, Reconciling in Christ Initiative. This is what it says on their website. Welcome, welcome, inclusion, celebration, and advocacy for people of all sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions. Work for racial equality and commit to anti-racist work and support the national program. Um, I could keep going and going and on and on and on. But this is what's happening in churches that are proclaiming Christ as the head all across the land. This is just one example. This is just one example. And don't tell me that the enemy is not running hard after our kids. Um, one of the things that Alice Bailey said in her 10-point plan um, almost 120 years ago now was that get the church, get the nation to make the laws and get the church to endorse them. We thought, and I never thought in my life, that the church would endorse things that we are endorsing now. We are, I mean, this unquote, quote, unquote, pastor lady is literally making a prayer called a sparkle creed saying about non-binary dads jesus had two fathers um he wore a fabulous tunic he's he's using taylor swift lyrics i mean all of these things um i don't even know where you see that i don't even know how you manipulate scripture to get that far off at this point you just throw scripture completely out of the door so I don't know what's the premise for saying anything. And don't tell me the enemy is not running rampant. And if this is happening in the churches, what's think what's happening in our schools, in our college campuses. Think of the things that are being told our kids that we have no idea. Don't tell me there's not a war. Don't tell me there's not a cause. Don't tell me the enemy's not running rampant. Don't tell me any of that because he is on an all-out assault. And while he's on an all-out assault on a generation, the church is just trying to keep up with entertainment and keep people coming back next Sunday. 
This thing is not about making people come back next Sunday. This thing is about grazing up an army on the earth that can actually wage war against the tactics of the enemy so our children are protected, our families are prospering, our lives are moving forward, the gospel is going forth, the glory of God's covering the earth as the waters cover the sea, the enemy is being hindered, the enemy's plan and agenda is being attacked, there's no weapon that's going to be formed that's going to prosper against us. This is about raising up an army, not entertaining a church. And it's time that we stop ignoring what's going on in the earth, pretending like everything is hunky-dory and that nothing's really as bad as they, as people want you to believe it is. We just need to go to the, the greatest tactic of the enemy towards the church is get us into apathy and complacency so that we'll just go back to church every single Sunday morning, sit through a sermon, hear a couple of songs, go home, never change, never transform, never challenge, never equip, never commission, never to do anything except just fill up pew, write a tithe check, and pretend like we're good old Christian boys and girls. That day, I declare and prophesy is over. He's raising up sons and daughters. He's raising up generals. He's raising up an army. He's raising up an army out of the dry bones. He's coming back. They're coming back together. The sinews about to be put on. And I'm telling you what, he's raising up a generation of fathers that's going to prophesy to the north, the south, the east, and the west. He's raising up a generation of mothers that's about to breathe life. I'm telling you what, there's mothers and fathers that's raising up in the land that refuses to let the generation, let the enemy trample their children anymore. I see stuff and hear stuff like this, Pastor, and I'm not attacking her. I'm attacking the spirit because there's a spirit behind this and there's strong codes that has to be broken. There's there's strong um, there's walls that have to be tore down. These things must take place. We must wage war. Now that's not a physical war. This is a spiritual war. Let me clarify that. You better not go attack anybody. Or you better not. This is not that kind of war. What we're talking about is a spiritual one done on our knees through preaching the gospel and going out there and loving people, um, changing the world by grace, mercy, and the how should they know you? By your love. This is a war where we engage by loving um, unconditionally, by loving ferociously, but all while we are in the prayer closet, we are waging war aggressively against the spirits that are attacking this generation. The enemy has an agenda. The enemy has an agenda. I can say that again. The enemy has an agenda. And the church has to quit ignoring that agenda. Again, I'm going to read these points for anybody that's never heard these. Because, again, these were written almost 120 years ago. And the enemy has a point. The enemy has a agenda. The enemy has a plan for America to destroy it because he has to destroy the Christian values that we were founded on because that is what made this nation prosperous and blessed. But Alice Bailey wrote this 10, 120, 110 years ago, something in that regard, after she got visited by this spirit of the Tibetan. And this is what she said. And again, remember how long ago this was written. Number one, take God and prayer out of the education system. If we're going to do anything, God has to be taken out of the education system. Prayer has to be taken out of the education, education system. And what has happened in America? God and prayer has definitely been taken out of the educational system. I mean, we had to have a coach go to the Supreme Court just to defend the right to be able to pray before a football game. 
He's not making everybody pray. He's praying. And anybody who wants to pray along with him can pray. But yet that is the number one thing that has to happen. Why? Because everything's going to be revolved around the next generation. You don't wage war against the adults. When you're trying to change culture, you don't change the culture in the adults. You change the culture with the children. And so the attack has to come in the educational system. And whenever you hear ridiculous things like we do today, like your children are not your children, then the children of this nation or your children, um, you have no say what they learn in the in their curriculum or what they learn at school. Oh, that's a lie of the enemy. And I'm telling you what, we need to rebuke every spirit that's trying to speak that over a generation because my children are not the children of this nation. My children are my children. And I I get to decide because I'm the dad of this household what they're learning and what they're get, what's getting in their ears. I'm the watchman on the wall, and I ain't gonna let no devil lie to me and try to tell me I can't I can't have a say in what my children are learning. By goodness, uh, we do have a say, and we are the dads and we are the moms, and it's time for us to stand up and make that stand. The number two is reduce parental authority over the children. Well, that definitely has to happen. Um. Because basically that is, I'm not going as deep as I usually would if we're teaching through these and what the enemy's trying to do. And again, we don't we don't magnify or exalt what the enemy's doing, but we have to understand what he's doing. And maybe one day we'll take a whole broadcast and really teach through all 10 of these so that we are fully engaged, fully aware, and fully prepared to tackle them. But um, basically she said, break the communication between parent and child. We have to break up the relationship. And boy, has that ever happened. We are the most fatherless generation we may have ever had in the face of the earth. Number three, to destroy <clears throat> destroy the Judeo-Christian family structure or the traditional Christian life structure. We have to destroy the nuclear family. Um, and, and that's so important for the enemy to come in because again with the fatherlessness with the Judeo-Christian family being destroyed with the nuclear family the the traditional family one man one woman that is being destroyed and that has been the plan of the enemy for very uh, for a very long time now now the next one is um a couple of these are they're not bad like I'm not saying any cuss words but there is some stronger language so just be prepared for that maybe that's a disclaimer if you got kids in the car have them sing Mary did you know or something but um, number four if sex is free then make abortion legal and make it easy this was again 120 years ago abortion was not even really in the cards for anybody but yet she is saying that we have to make it free why because if we want a sexually immoral um, generation, then we must make the consequences of it very much reversible. And the easiest way to make it reversible is to get abortions. See, it all lines up. You cannot have a sexually immoral generation that has consequences. They need to eliminate the consequences so that you make it free and you make it very much accessible. Number five, make divorce easy and legal. Free people from the concept of marriage for life. I don't have enough time for that. All I know is that the enemy has ransacked the sanctity of marriage. We'll get on that another day. Number six, make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. Um, Alice Bailey preached that sexual enjoyment is the highest pleasure in humanity. No one must be denied and no one must be restricted by how they... Um, enjoy themselves. So she's saying, 
make it all free, make it all permissible. We have to allow people just to enjoy themselves. Basically, it's saying let their emotions be their guide. If it feels good, we do it. That is That never works well for anybody. All right, never works well for anybody. Debased art and make it run mad. Um, she understood that arts are one of the primary keys to change culture. Promote new forms of art which will corrupt and defile the imagination of people because art is a language of the spirit, that which is inside. You can bring out in painting, music, drama, etc. Look at the quality, spirituality, and message of the art, music, and the films that are coming out. Number eight, use media to promote and change mindsets. She said the greatest channel you need to use to change human attitude is media. Use the press, use the radio, use TV, cinema. You can tell today how successful they have been at implementing the plan over the last 50 years via media, as well as advertising agency, billboards, magazines. Who controls money? Basically media. The New World Order. They're wanting to control that. Um, I don't have time to do, uh, again, these are, I don't have time to do everything because we got our special guest at 830, so I'm kind of moving fast. There's a lot more we can say on this kind of stuff. Um, number nine, create an interfaith movement, which again has happened, coexist, um, that we are all going to the same place. You just be diligent and faithful to whatever you believe in, and you will end up because all roads point to Jesus. All roads don't point to Jesus. He is the only way. He is the only door. There's no other way, and you cannot come in as a thief or a robber. So the lie of the enemy that everybody's road ends up in the same place is not true. Then the tenth thing is get government to make all these laws and get the church to endorse these changes. And, um, boy, is that happening today. That is that happening today. And... um, the enemy's had a plan. The enemy's had a plan for a long time now. And he has not hit it. He has not backed down from it. He actually exposes himself with his plan. He basically, through Alice Bailey, told the world his plan. And yet the church did nothing for so long. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. The church became consumed with her four walls. And that's the greatest tactic. The four walls are necessary because what we do on Sunday morning, what we do on Wednesday nights is 100% necessary. Never take it away. Never diminish it. Never uh, make it lower than what it is because that is where we're equipped. That is where we're empowered. That is where we are edified. That is where we are provoked unto good works. That's where we're changed. That's where we build family. But yet... If we ever hide out behind our four walls, that's where it becomes dangerous. Because we are, as Christ said, he is the light of the world. We are now the light of the world because we reflect him into the world. And God forbid if we hide our light under a bushel. No, I'm not hiding out. And the church for too long hid out behind four walls for safety, for comfort, for protection. But I'm telling you what, that day is over. We will be equipped and then on mission. We need the Sunday mornings. We need the Sunday nights. We need the Wednesday. We need the assembling together of the saints. A hundred percent. 
but those are not there to entertain us. My stomach curls at the thought of continuing to entertain saints with good activities, great sermons, and good songs, but never equipping them to be the army that can take down the tactics of the enemy and fight these ten points. The church has to arise at this hour. Miss Gale says, um, let me see here. This has been successful because we have become so complacent and scared to speak out. It's time now. Yes, Miss Gale. Yes, I agree. I agree. I'll agree. Um, <clears throat> man, I'm stirred. I didn't know I was going to be so stirred this morning, but I'm stirred. It's time that we arise, as Miss Gale says, it's time now. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, not until I feel it. Now is the day, as I preached a few weeks ago on Father's Day, we're going to build and we're going to fight at the same time. We're going to build a platform for our kids to stand on as never before, but we're going to fight off every devil that comes against them. Because ultimately, I'm not raising good kids. I want to raise godly kids. And I want my kids to be set free, delivered, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and empowered and equipped to be vessels of honor and vessels of use on the earth for the kingdom of God so that we could see the kingdom of God expand all across the nations. And we could see the glory of God cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And how is that going to happen? Is that when we go to all the nations, when we move, when we shake, when we rattle, when we roll, whatever that looks like, we're going forth in the mighty name of Jesus. And I'm telling you what, it's almost been this thing where the enemy is so confident. He's been dangling his plan in front of us, telling us, you have no power, you have no dominion. And you know what? Sometimes we don't because we're actually playing with the very things he's dangling in front of us. And I'm prophesying even my own life, I'm done with playing games with the enemy. I'm done with playing with devils. I'm done with it all. I'm not entertaining it no more. I, I We all need to make that proclamation. Any sin in our life, any plane, any, um, you know, Joseph's coat would have never got taken off if he didn't get close enough. If he never got that close, his coat would have never got off. I'm not even getting close to it. I want to be as far away from it as possible. Why? Because I'm ready to be used to fight the enemy and take on the weapons, take up the weapons of our warfare, which is pray, prayer, intercession, fasting, it's declarations. We're going to see the glory of God come. There's a generation that's raising up of warriors in the Lamb. And friend, you and I are part of it. I believe here at the Box 2 Radio Network, we're going to be war. We're not, a, we're not going to be a radio station that entertains people. We're not going to be a radio station that 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 entertains or caters or comforts or anything like that. We're a radio station, I believe, by the glory and by the mercy of God that's going to equip the saints, engage the army, and let's take back land for the glory of God. This is a generation that's taken back a generation of children that's been oppressed. This is a generation that's taken back the houses. This is a, this is a generation that's taken back the dinner tables. We're about to see the glory of God poured out in the earth for him. I, for one, just want to say yes and amen to the Spirit of God calling His warriors to arise in the earth today, and I am not letting this generation of children being taken anymore. We're fighting. We're going to rise up, and we're going to fight every demonic spirit that we can find. We'll look under every rock if that's what it takes, but we're going to see this generation set free for the glory of Almighty God. We're going to take a break here. We're going to read our second trivia question. We're going to come back with Miss Karen Ford in just a minute, but on 
What ungodly New Testament ruler was struck down by an angel and eaten of worms? 270-257-2689. We'll be back after the break just here in a minute on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. We are back here. I want to apologize. Miss Elizabeth Higdon got that answer right. I missed that text from Mariah, so I apologize. She did get it right, and so that is Herod. Um, what ungodly New Testament ruler was struck down by an angel and eaten of worms? Herod, Acts 12, 12, 23. So on the phone right now, we have Miss Karen Ford. How are you doing, Miss Karen? Hey, I'm blessed and highly favored and wealthy, just like you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's great to have you on and thank you so much for coming on with us here on the box two radio network for those that are unfamiliar with you um you have been on with us several times in the past so um some of us are familiar some of us are not but could you tell us a little bit about yourself absolutely and it's my pleasure to be on here with you i consider it an honor uh i am actually a retired registered nurse and the reason I'm a retired registered nurse is because the Lord kind of transitioned me over into a master financial coach. I, I actually had a friend of mine, my pastor, tell me, Karen, you're good with numbers and you're great with money. I think you ought to get some more training. So I did, and I became a master financial coach. And so I know probably some listeners are thinking, how in the world did you go from a nurse to that? <laughs> but I, it I is a weird I'm jump, ain't it? It is. It doesn't even seem like they they connect. Uh, but as a nurse, I help people get healthy physically. But as a master financial coach, I help people get healthy financially, which also affects your health. Because let's face it, if there's money problems and you're, you've got stress a lot of times, and uh, stress can cause lots of health issues. Uh, God doesn't want us to be unhealthy or sickly. They, you know, he went to the cross to redeem us of all of that, but sometimes we can kind of open the door to something. Uh, but my my passion is to help people take control of their money so that their money is not out of control, because we're called mm-hmm. to be stewards. Yeah, so good, so good. I'm looking at your website and getting all, looking at some of the things that you write a V-blog, and um, you wrote some books, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But you know, one thing that I really feel like God's doing in the body right now is getting us, and I've talked about this a lot, so my listeners are like, oh, no, they're going to say it again, um, healthy in all areas of our life, not just our prayer life, but also healthy in our healthy health life. But one of those big things is financial, because if we're burdened by financial things, it affects prayer life. It affects how we treat our spouse. It affects how we're healthy. So speak on that just about the importance of healthiness in our financial life. Well, absolutely. The, the importance of that is, you know, God has called us to be stewards. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm kind of thinking about the, the rich young ruler where uh, he, you know, he said, oh, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and mm-hmm. I'm going to store up this stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with storing up, because there's wisdom in that. But the thing of it is, the reason he stored up was for himself. It wasn't to help anybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's where the body of Christ is wanting us to be, wanting the church as a whole to be. He wants us to store the money well, not just for ourselves. Now, I'm, you know, I know there's probably some listeners, and and I want to make sure that, that, that I say this properly and correctly. 
There's nothing wrong with, you know, having a savings account. There's nothing wrong with having a retirement account. That's mm-hmm. wisdom. We need to be prepared. Yeah. But what God is wanting us to do is when we do store up, are we storing it up just for ourselves? Or are we storing it up so that we can help other people? Because God has called us to help other people. I mean, Deuteronomy 8.18 says, I have given you the power to get wealth that I may establish my covenant. It takes money to preach the gospel. It mm-hmm. takes money to be on TV. It takes money to be on a radio station. It takes money to get the gospel into other people at, that need to hear it. And so it's so that we he could, can establish his covenant. And, and, you know, I know sometimes people are struggling financially, but God doesn't really get a whole lot of glory when we're struggling and looking like the world. Mm-hmm. You know, God has called us to be, you are a peculiar people. <laughs> yeah. You know, a peculiar person is not going to look like the world. We're not going to act like the world. We're not going to do what the world does. And so... Well, I really got on my soapbox there. Sorry about that. But uh, no, I like it. You know, Go for God, it. Go for God it. wants us to be prepared. He wants us to be prepared. But in our preparation, are we preparing out of fear? I saw we saw this during COVID when this first started. Now, granted, I, I wasn't real thrilled about it myself either, and I had to fight fear. But you know, God said in His Word that He is going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So if we quote that, then we shouldn't be worried about or thinking, well, what's my paycheck going to be? No, God never said that he's going to supply all of our needs according to our paycheck. He never said that he was going to supply all of our needs as to whether the gas prices go up or down. He never said he was going to supply all of our needs according to the U.S. economy or the Dow Jones Industrial Average. He said he was going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And the mistake that the body of Christ, people in the body of Christ do uh, make, is they're leaning to their own understanding, meaning, well, I can't do this for the kingdom, or I can't do that for the kingdom, because this is my pay every two weeks. We have just limited God, Mm -hmm. because God is not limited by your paycheck. He can get yeah. money to you anytime, any place, anywhere. He can get it through people. He'll get it to you because he said that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Mm-hmm. The problem is we're not in his glory. We need to get in his presence. That's right. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is the glory. And that's, you know, he's just going to supply. He's mm-hmm. going to provide. Yeah. Yes, sir. Amen. I like your soapbox. You can get on a soapbox anytime you want to. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> I say yes and amen to your soapbox. I do soapboxes okay. too sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but if you're talking with a, um, let's say, just a young family, you know, maybe high 20s, low 20s, 30s, and they just have a couple of kids, and the Lord's really dealing with their heart, and they're kind of seeing their financial mess. They've got themselves... Um, they try to buy more toys than they can afford. Um, debt is a slave; it's a master we don't want to be enslaved to. How do we start really pulling on ourselves out of that? Like some, there's always those, you know, the one, two, threes like that. And I would love for you to talk about that too. But 
being more of a spiritual person, how would we spiritually and physically and naturally pull ourselves out of it? Well, in the natural, let me just say this statement. You can't borrow yourself out of debt. You cannot borrow your way out of debt. I heard someone tell me one time, well, I'm going to go take a consolidation loan to only have one payment instead of six or seven payments a month. I'm going to take out a loan to get out of debt. Well, you can't borrow your way out of debt. Yeah. And a consolidation loan is not the best way to do that, because if you don't change your behavior, you're going to go down that path again. So you you got to stop. You've got to stop going into debt to get out of debt. In other words, if you have been going into debt each month for particular reasons, you have to stop. You got to stop because your focus has to be let's provide what we need our housing, our shelter, our food, et cetera, pay our bills, but don't put anything on the credit card, don't borrow any money. You got to stop going into debt to get out of debt mm-hmm. and start really hammering the debt that you have. Now, that's in the natural. Now, in the spiritual realm, God says in His Word that when we pray, that He's going to take hold together with us against. Mm. So when we are praying, you know, we can repent and say, oh gosh, Lord, I am so sorry. I, I went into debt. I made a mess, but I know this mess is not too big for you. I'm going to do my part, but I know that you're going to do your part. And I repent, and I'm asking you, I receive your forgiveness, and now I'm asking you to help me. Help me get these debts annihilated. Help me get out of debt, Lord, and I'm going to delve myself into your word Mm -hmm. and see how you handle money, how you want me to handle money, because it's not my money anyway. There's another aspect here, is sometimes the body of Christ thinks, well, I gave God my 10%. Well, first of all, we can't give God 10% the tithe, because it's not ours to give anyway. We're returning the tithe to God. But a lot of times people have the mindset, well, I tithe, so I'm going to spend the rest on me. I wouldn't have that attitude, because the rest, the 100% is God's. Mm. (laughs) We're stored. We're not the owner of it. And that's where some people think they have ownership. Listen, the house I live in, my name may be on the deed, but I don't own it. The Mm -hmm. car I drive, I may have the title, but I don't own it. There isn't anything that I have that... I own, really, because if God said, I want you to sell your house and give me the money from it, I would have to do it, because this house is not mine. Mm. And that's where we have to have a paradigm shift. We need to handle money God's way, realizing it's not ours. Now, I'm not saying, well, gosh, uh, Lord, can I go to the grocery store and spend $20 on that? That isn't what I'm talking about. We do need to inquire of the Lord. Lord, is it okay with you if I take a vacation this year? Is it okay if I spend this amount on that vacation this year? Is it okay if I do this? You know, we don't have to go into a five-hour prayer summit to get an answer from God. There are times and places for that, but we honor God and respect Him Mm. by saying, Lord, I don't own any of this that you have blessed me with. I thank you. Because when when we leave this earth, if the Lord carries and I die, or if he doesn't tarry and he comes back, I ain't taking any of this with me. <laughs> and I know that's not proper English, but we're not going to go uh, into the pearly gates with a bag of gold or a bag of money or a yeah. house or a car. None of that are we going to take. So why do we put so much energy 
and, and you know, such importance on these things. It's just stuff. It's yeah. just stuff that we get to use while we're here on this earth. And God, because of his graciousness, uh, his goodness, he lavishes us. You know, just like a parent has kids. Don't you love to buy things for your kids oh, yeah. at Christmas time? You get so much joy when they open the presents because you worked hard to make to buy those particular things for your kids. Why did you do that? Because maybe sometimes they want it, and sometimes we want to do it just because we can. Yes. You know, just because we can, because we love our kids. Well, don't you think God loves us even more than that? I mean, He loves to give to us, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I went off on a tangent again. No, Spiritually no, speaking, it. pray. If, if, you know, if you're in debt, repent, ask God to help you, and I can guarantee you he will. And Mark 11, 23 and 24, you can look at that mountain of death and death, and you can speak to it. it you know, and that passage there says the word say three times, but it says the word ask once. So if, you know, you're looking at the mountain and you're saying if it, you will Say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that whatsoever you say is going to come to pass, then you will have whatsoever you say. Mm. So those three words, say, are all different in the Greek, and I can't go into that right now because it will take too long, but you can do a strong concordant study on that. But we have to keep speaking, speaking, speaking to that mountain of debt and still do our part, still do our part. Yeah. You said something there a minute ago that I loved, um, that I think is so important, and you said that we honor God with our finances. And, you know, when we honor God, the question of is this right or wrong sometimes just goes out the door, and it just goes, is this honorable? Um, For instance, I I gave this illustration the other day in a premarital counseling session I had, and I said there was one time that I spent, like, I think it was like 70 or 80 bucks without really talking to my wife or anything about it. And it's not like we didn't have the 70 or 80 bucks, but, and she was just like, um, you know, you didn't even, like, it wasn't that it was bad. Like, what I spent the money wasn't on bad. Like, it was a good thing, actually. But I dishonored my wife by not even communicating with her. And And I think sometimes that's what I feel like with my finances with the father, is it's not that what I'm spending money on is bad, it's just I never communicate with him. Right, right. You know, and, and let me just say this, because especially if, 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 you, if there's a lot of young, newly married people mm-hmm. or getting ready to get married, let me say this. I know the temptation is so real. We see our parents, of course, I'm 60, so, <laughs> but, you know, if you're 20s or 30s, if you see your parents and they have such a nice home and they've got two cars and, you know, the, the thing of it is we want what our parents have. We want that lifestyle because we grew up in it. Mm-hmm. But what we fail to think about is it took them 30 or 40 years to attain that lifestyle. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that you can't go by, you know, and, and build a home or whatever. But listen, I know a lot of, I have coached couples that are in their 20s or 30s, and right after they got married, they bought a house really that they shouldn't have bought. It uh-huh. was too much. They couldn't afford it. They, you know, they have a big house. They've got two cars. They've got 2.5 kids. I'm not sure how that happened. They've got their kids <laughs> in all kinds of sports. They're chucking out the money. And we look at them and think, wow, they've really got it together. No, they really don't. Because 
they're trying to live a lifestyle that their parents are presently living, but it took 40 years for their parents to attain that lifestyle, and they're up to their eyeballs in debt. They've got two mortgages on that house. They've got two car payments. They're, they have their credit cards maxed out, and that's not a way to make the marriage work. Buy what you can afford, but always, always, always ask the Father, God, you know, you're so good to us, but we want to use your money, your money, the way you want us us to use that, and we know that by honoring you in this, you're, you're going to help us. You are going to help us. And that doesn't mean after you buy a home, maybe five years later, you want a bigger house, and you're maybe probably better fit financially. Yeah. But let's not get in a hurry and try to get all of the bells and the whistles right after we walk down the aisle, because you're going to end up with some money fights that you're going to wish you had not... Sure. Done. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing I find pastoring and leading is that anything, and I'm just curious if you see this in your financial coaching as well, anything that's built too quickly crumbles just as fast. And I find oh, that yeah. building things slowly builds something that's sure. That's so true. You know, I, I know some people that Christians that will go and buy lottery tickets, and I just look at them and say, look. If God really wanted you to win the lottery, don't you think he'd give you the numbers? Because we have to be we have to be good stewards with what we have. And and it's almost like you may as well go out to Vegas and, and throw down the dice because that's what the lottery ticket is. I mean, really. You know, you may as well take that 5 bucks or 10 bucks or 20 bucks that you're spending on and start investing it in something. And I know some people are probably thinking, really, 5 bucks, 10 bucks, or 20 bucks is really going to make a difference? Hey, listen, it, you're not going to become a millionaire overnight. That, that just does yep. not happen. That just does not happen. And God is going to bless us with more as he sees that he can trust us with what we have. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, he's not going to trust us with more if we're not handling what we have trustworthy. We have to be trustworthy. If I can share a testimony with please. you, is that okay? Oh, please. Uh, sure. I, I buy and sell real estate. I buy, sell, buy, rent, buy, flip. I do all of that. I really enjoy it. And God really put that passion within me. But I told the Lord, now, this is not me. You know, I'm not being braggadocious. I'm not all that in a bag of chips, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm really not. But I started buying and doing this, and, and I went to a particular auction that the state had, and uh, it was not a house I was buying. I bid on various properties, but then after the auction, I thought, well, I'm just going to maybe bid on this property. It was 112 acres. There's a lot of coal in West Virginia, although a lot of coal mines have shut down, and it was so cheap. I think I paid 10 bucks for it. I thought, well, I'll bid on it, and I thought it was coal rights, you know, on the 112 acres, and I sent it in, and there was a process involved with that, and I finally got the deed. Well, I didn't know if anything was going to happen with it. It was my first time ever buying what I considered mineral rights. Mm -hmm. And so about four months ago, and I don't even know why I bought it, but I know now it was the Holy Spirit leading me to buy it. So about four months ago, I get a sticker in my mailbox that said I had a certified letter. And it was from a business called Purple Properties. And I thought, who in the world names their business Purple Properties? What is this? And I thought to myself, this is probably a scam. So I went to the post office, and I picked up the certified letter, but it was a packet. And I'm a type A personality, so I opened it, and I thought, well, I'm not going to read through all this. And so I took it to the attorney, 
And I said, just, you know, look through this if you would, please. Of course, I'll pay you for your time. But if you could tell me, is this company legitimate? What do they want from me? And what do I get out of it? And he called me an hour later. And he said, Karen, this company is legitimate. And you thought that you bought mineral rights to coal. But what you actually bought was mineral rights to gas and oil. And they are prepared to pay you $68,000 over the next five years for the permission to drill that property. So I quickly signed that paperwork, (laughs) sent that in, and then I called Purple Properties. And while I was on the phone, I said, you know, this is Karen with JKF Management, and I I want to let you know I sent that paperwork in, and I said, I'm just checking to see what is the time frame I receive, you know, the $68,000. And they said, well, you're going to receive that in 120 days. And she said, but I just want to let you know that – you signing that paper, the reason that we're giving you that money is in case we want to drill. There's no guarantee that we're going to drill. That's just in case we want to drill. But if we do drill, we're going to pay you 15% in royalties if we hit gas or oil. Now, I'm just telling you right now, that was the goodness of God. That was the favor of God because I did not know what I was buying. I literally thought I was buying coal rights. But listen, God will lead you to do certain things that maybe don't make sense to you. It didn't make sense to me to buy coal rights, because a lot of the coal mines are aren't shut down. Mm-hmm. But I bought it because I was obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. And then after I got that check, because I got it about three weeks ago, the very first thing I did was I honored the Lord, and I wrote out the check for the tithe. Mm-hmm. And I took it immediately to our church, and then I honored my pastor, my apostle, Dr. John Polis, and I sowed a seed to him, and then I sowed a seed to somebody else. Why? Because it's not my money. Yeah. It's the Lord's money. But God will lead you to do certain things that we may not have an understanding to, but we have to obey and and go with the Holy Spirit in those promptings. Look at what happened with Peter when he had toiled and fished all night and did not catch anything. And Jesus comes along. This is Karen's paraphrase. Jesus comes along. He sees what they're doing. They're washing their nets. Why are they washing their nets? Because they're done. They're ready to go home. And Jesus said, you know what? You didn't catch anything, but go to launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Now, listen, Peter really could have had an attitude problem with Jesus because he could have said, Jesus, what do you know about fishing? You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. I've done it all my life. But he didn't do that. Do you know what Peter said? He said, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now listen, two things happen here. Jesus knows where the fish is. Jesus knows how to get money to you. Jesus knows where to prosper you. But Peter had toiled all night. How many times have we toiled all night? in the natural, and we're thinking, okay, this isn't working. But then the Holy Spirit comes along and starts prompting us, 
And we're thinking, I just did that. What do you mean do it again? I just did that. But Jesus said, launch out into the deep. Go further than where you were. Go deeper than where you were. And I hear the Holy Ghost saying right now, Mm. some of you have been hanging up the towel. You're thinking, this business is done, or I'm done with this. And the Holy Spirit is saying, go out deeper. Go out further than where you were, because when you let those nets down, you're going to catch a vast, amount of fish. Now, I believe it was in the book of Mark or Luke. I can't remember because I don't have my note in front of me. (laughs) But Jesus said, let down your nets, plural. But Peter went out and let down his net. Mm -hmm. We need to pay attention to what God is telling us to do and go all the way. The result of Peter only letting down a net instead of nets is that net began to break. And he had to call the other boat over so they didn't lose what they had caught. So it's important. Follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Do what he says to do, even though it doesn't make sense. And if he says a plural, don't do the single. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. I love that. I love that. And uh, we thank a lot of Dr. Polis here. He's been on quite a bit with us here on the radio. And... um, uh, I love his teaching. Just a, he's a great oh. man of God. So, oh, he is. I so agree. So, tell us a little bit. Uh, we got just maybe two or three minutes here left. Um, share with us your website, where we can find your books. I know you do a vlog there too. I seen. So, just share a little bit about how people can get in touch with you, the resources you have available, and um, how they can contain those. Absolutely. Well, all five books are on Amazon, but they're also on my website, KarenFord.org. I have lots of CDs. I've got all my books on there. Um, The most recent book is called God's Economy, How We Can Hit the Mark. Listen, God's prosperity, our prosperity, is not based on whether the U.S. economy uh, goes, you know, goes down or up. It doesn't really matter because we are, our citizenship is in heaven. So if God said he's going to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, then it doesn't really matter what the economy does. It doesn't really matter if gas prices go up to $20 a gallon. If God said he's going to take care of us, he's going to take care of us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Well, Miss Karen, thank you so much for coming on. I've I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed your rabbit trails in the soapbox too. So don't worry about that at all. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, I enjoyed it very it was much. My pleasure. So I, enjoy it. Sir. I'd love to do it again soon. So we'll stay in touch. Yes, all right, you all be right, blessed. Have you. a great day. Thank you too. Bye bye. All right. Well, that's wonderful interview there, helping us with our finances and um, how we can be better stewards of what God has given us. Um, how important it is to be good stewards of God's blessings, but also just the resources that God has entrusted to put into our hands to use for His glory and to grow His kingdom. Well, we just have a few minutes here left on Mornings with Box 2 Radio for this week, and please do not forget that next week we will be in shutdown mode here at the ministry. If you need me for anything, you can text me at 270-230-6337. That's to all the family out there listening or to the programmers, our Box 2 preachers, anybody out there that needs me for anything, just text me at 270-230-6337. It will probably be better to text or call my personal number, 
than it would be the office next week. If somebody calls the office, we'll we usually check those sporadically throughout the week, but we're not um, you know we're not in the office that week, so it'd be easier to contact me via my cell phone, two seven zero two three zero six three three seven. And what a wonderful conversation we have, Miss Karen Ford, uh, Mister Bjork on here earlier. We had a great conversation yesterday, um, just. Brother Greg Carwell, I appreciate all of our co-hosts throughout the week and all those who get in here and diligently serve. And um, um, God's just using them in mighty ways. And I believe he's using this radio station in mighty ways. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your, um, you know, how you're feeling, how you're, how, what's going on. If you need prayer for anything, if you just want to call or text in one day and just say, we love the radio station. Thank you so much for being on there. Whatever that is, we just love to hear from you guys. But ultimately, like I was saying earlier, we are not a radio station that's going to be here to entertain you. We want to be a radio station in the hand of the Father to equip you and to engage the army and to see the glory of God come and cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We're just excited for what the kingdom of God is what's happening in the kingdom of God right now. We're excited for what's happening in the body of Christ. And friend, let's stay diligent. Let's stay resilient. Um, and before we dismiss, um, before the sh- the shutdown week, I want to pray for us as we head out this morning. Father, I thank you for every church that's going to meet Sunday morning. I thank you for every pastor that's going to preach. I thank you for the fire of God that's going to fall. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would just woo our hearts into deeper communion with you, Father. That it's not a Sunday morning religion, but it is a seven days, 365 day a year um, relationship. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We're never turned off. We're never disengaged, but we are walking with you in communion. That our life is pleasing to you. God, never let it be said of what Jesus said of the Jews around him. They prefer to glorify man and not glorify God. Lord, we ask you. Let everything we do bring glory to your name and let everything we say, let everything we think, let everything that is permeated in our hearts bring glory to you, God. That is our greatest desire is that we would see you in all of your glory and see you in all of your power. We love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. To you guys out there, love you guys. We'll be back in a week here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.